The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to talk about the importance of inclusive marketing. Joining us is Joanne Boyce, who is the founder of Arima & Co., which is establishing inclusive marketing as an industry standard worldwide. Marketing is the power to change society, and Arima & Co. believes that providing marketers with education, resources, and tools can change the way that they work to make a positive impact. And today, Joanne and I are going to discuss what inclusive marketing actually is. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with Joanne Boyce, the founder of Arima & Co. Joanne, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Hi, Benjamin. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to have you on the show. And I'm excited to talk about a incredibly important topic and honestly, one that can at times be a little bit challenging to talk about. It's one of our very important diversity and inclusion episodes. And today we're going to talk a little bit about inclusive marketing this is kind of your strike zone. This is where you focus. Tell me about what inclusive marketing is in your eyes. The quick and short answer would be it's marketing, <laughs> but fixing a couple of errors. Essentially, it's understanding that whatever audience you're targeting, that audience is diverse and representing them in your copy, in your imagery, and really making sure that they can access the content you're creating. I always get weird in these episodes. Mm -hmm. I said this offline. I'm a white guy talking about diversity and inclusion. So I feel like nobody wants to hear this from me. I'm glad you're here. White American male, privileged as could be. And you are in the UK. Well, I'll let you describe your ethnicity and background just so everyone has the context. Tell me about who you are. For full intersectionality, which I'll describe what that is later, I am a Black woman based in the UK. I'm also dyslexic and I'm bi. So I'm part of a lot of communities. So my experience of marketing content and being a marketer, the two sometimes don't always mesh. So that's where I came into the world. And I was like, hold on, as a marketer, I'm not marketing for individuals like myself. Something's broken here. All right. You're helping me because I feel like I, you know, this one vertical that I'm covering straight white American male and often the finger gets pointed at us as part of the problem because there is, and not to say that all white American males have done something wrong, but we have privileges that other people aren't necessarily given based on their sex, color, creed, what have you. So you're helping me figure out how this works for the rest of the world. 
you said that inclusive marketing is basically marketing, but you're marketing to diverse communities. All of your target segments cover diverse backgrounds. And to me, I'll play devil's advocate a little, that sounds counterintuitive. When I think about marketing segmentation, when I think about targeting, I want to get as specific as I possibly can about who is my buyer and then find people that basically not necessarily physically look like them, but have very similar characteristics because the idea with segmentation and ideal customer profiles is if this type of person is already my buyer, I want to find more people that look like them, not physically look like them, but have similar profiles with the assumption that that's somebody that has a higher propensity to buy. I don't disagree. It's an and, not an or situation. Yeah. And so how do we think about diversity and inclusion and inclusive marketing when the notion of segmentation is about bias? Like, what are we biasing that's okay? And then where should we think about actually opening up our targeting? So it's thinking about who you're targeting. So this is why I say it relates to what marketing essentially is. For example, let's take a product. A good example that I use in my talks quite often is Gillette, the shaving razors. Mm -hmm. Gillette stereotypically have been targeting men who shave. And a lot of people, when they imagine the Gillette man, they think of someone with a six pack who drives a sports car. Yeah. Sexy, dark hair, brooding man with a little bit of stubble. And he wants to clean it up for his supermodel white woman wife or girlfriend or whoever it is. There you go. And that is a very niche area. But Gillette did a campaign a few years ago where they introduced a trans man learning to shave and being taught by his father. Now, they opened up their targeting. They made it more inclusive, but they didn't stray from the story. It's still someone who shaves, someone who needs to learn how to shave. And the story is still relatable. I don't know if you've had the experience of your father teaching you how to shave. So in that aspect, you can relate to it. So it hasn't gone too far. So it's looking at who the audience is and then how you can add more to it. So I would disagree on the aspect of diversity marketing and inclusive marketing. Diversity marketing tends to be what Coca-Cola used to do back in the day, where they have a specific campaign for the Black community, specific campaign for the Latino community, and so on and so on. For me, inclusive marketing is looking at that campaign and looking how it can be touch more people who are interested. So it'd be one campaign, but maybe you would change the main character and have other side characters and still more inclusion in that one campaign itself. So we're talking about an example with one piece of creative, the Gillette campaign with a trans man being taught how to shave. I guess the question is, all right, if Gillette has been targeting white men with six packs and sports cars for 20 years, and then they see that their brand of razors starts to market towards someone that they don't necessarily identify with. Doesn't that have a potentially negative repercussion for the existing base that they've been marketing to, right? Doesn't the white guy with a sports car sit there and say, I don't identify with the trans boy learning to shave. I now have a different brand impression. Is there potential repercussions and downsides from marketing to an inclusive brand? I'm using Gillette still as an example. Is there some brand risk from changing how you're doing your marketing to focusing more on this sort of inclusive type of message? So the brand risk is on both sides. In the aspect of Gillette, they still kept it a story. It wasn't a campaign that, yes, we solely support trans men. It wasn't pushing away their audience. As I mentioned, I even familiarized it with yourself. Did your father teach you to shave? That was the narrative of the campaign. So if their general customer doesn't relate to it, 
they're quicker to not relate to my dad didn't teach me to shave than they are to quicker identify that as a trans man because they haven't been exposed to that. I think there's also a difference between campaigns that are focused about a narrative or a charity which kind of put these things at the forefront, which is the things you see in Pride Month, where that is the forefront versus an everyday campaign where it just happens to be part of the storyline. So an audience being turned away or being turned off by an everyday storyline, it would either be that the brand's values don't align and maybe that's their standpoint or the individual doesn't connect with the story, which is marked. If they don't connect with the story, you weren't going to get them no matter who was at the forefront. So I feel like this makes a lot of sense for consumer brands having an inclusive message showing all of the people that can be consumers of your product. Gillette is a relatively low price point, probably low margins, frequent purchase for people, right? It's a disposable good. Talk to me about inclusive marketing in B2B. I think you could probably make the case that most of our sponsors are marketing companies that are trying to market to marketers. And there's a disproportionate amount of the leadership in marketing and technologies that are, hey, guess what, white men. If I'm knowing that most of the people that have the purchasing power and buying power in my industry are white men, don't I take that into consideration on how do I, I mean, I don't necessarily think I should only be marketing to white men, but I do want my imagery and my message to resonate with my target audience. How do you think about inclusive marketing in a B2B sense when the scale is skewed towards one specific demographic? So in the B2B sense, it tends to be two aspects, either the employer brand or the brand values. Companies now, the ones that are growing, the ones that are becoming well-known, are shifting their values to be inclusive. They're standing up and they're saying things and they're leading with purpose. That purpose could be diversity and inclusion in who they hire. It could be sustainability. It could be any kind of purpose they have. And if that's in your brand values and you're leading with purpose, it's this expectation from the people that work with you and work for you, like B Corp, for example. People are leaning towards being B Corp certified. And that means that you're putting a stamp saying that you believe in certain things. So therefore, in a B2B aspect, you're saying to the clients you're working with, this is what we're believing. And that might be an attractive currently because it's not the norm, an attractive way to attract clients with similar values to yourself. If those are not your values, then I'm definitely not saying that every company should be marketing inclusively if it's not their values, because then we have a false economy of people believing that an organization is good. You have what's similar in the sustainability aspect of greenwashing. I'm really glad that you said that. And greenwashing is an interesting term, and it helps me sort of get into this conversation in a way that I don't know if I would know how to describe it. But there is this notion of the, the only thing I can think of is like the social justice warrior, where everything has to be so politically correct, and you have to stand for all of these different political statements and I don't know, the world just seems very sensitive and you have to focus on things that are maybe not core to the products and services you're selling, right? If I'm selling a marketing technology, is it true that my brand has to think about diversity and inclusion first and foremost, as opposed to, hey, we're a technology vendor and we want to build the best technology for the people that focus and that should be front and center 
Talk to me about where the line is and when are basically people just being full of shit because that's what they feel like they should be saying. Obviously, you should focus on diversity and you should focus on inclusion and you should think about a wide market. And I don't want to make it seem like I don't believe in those things. But I feel like sometimes brands are putting that before the sort of core message that they're trying to market to. Brands should be authentic. And that's what people are asking for. I would personally prefer if a brand said nothing than it put across a fake message. I have advised clients in the past not to put out things because it wasn't authentic. Because I knew that the relationship between the marketing and the sales team needs to be close. The relationship between leadership and the direction of the company needs to be on point. If you're going to receive backlash like H&M did in 2018, or you're going to receive backlash like other companies have, you need to have something to stand on. If you don't give a shit, I'd rather you be authentically not giving a shit. But if you do, and even in the mark tech situation, even if you're developing softwares, there are going to be users of your software. And inclusive marketing incorporates all aspects, gender, race, ethnicity, accessibility, and representation of disabled community. So yes, it may be white men on top, but they may be queer. They may be disabled. They may be other things that you're doing to marginalize people who are buying your products that you haven't even considered. And that's what the root of it is. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. I've spent a lot of time thinking about this, in part because some of the content that we produce is about diversity and inclusion. I believe that my audience cares about it. I personally care about it, and I think it's important. And we were trying to think of ways to be inclusive in our guest selection process. And I had mixed emotions. So we have an algorithm that we've built that helps us evaluate the potential reach of people that fill out our speaker application. So we look at things like your LinkedIn profile, your Twitter profile, your domain handle, how many email followers you have. You know, there's a couple of different signals that we're like, if somebody's going to apply to be a guest on the MarTech podcast, we want them to be able to share the content we produce with an audience that we wouldn't have access to. And one of the big parts that we look at is, is that audience large? 
And what we ended up finding was the largest social signals that we find, predominantly white men in leadership positions in MarTech companies. And it didn't feel fair for me. And so what we did was we started asking people for their gender pronouns, and we started asking people to self-report what their ethnicity is with the option to say, I don't want to give this information. And we actually started giving a social syndication score boost to the people that are basically not white men. Now, I'm the one who built the algorithm. I'm the one who implemented this system. So I stand by it in its fairness. But I'd still have some mixed emotions because I am inherently kind of being racist, not only towards white men, but towards myself. Like I basically don't get a bonus as a potential speaker in my own podcast because of the color of my skin. Is that fair? I would swap two things. You're being prejudiced, not racist, because the power doesn't lie in the individuals. Thank you. Yeah, prejudice. You're so much better at this than I am. <laughs> and I would also say that is what a lot of things have to happen. So the example I like to use is psychology. I study psychology as undergrad, and I'm currently studying data science. And they work the way algorithms and machine learning has developed over time is similar, where it was created to solve a problem, be that problem good or bad. Over time, a majority of people use it. So like psychology, we realized that a lot of people needed mental health, and it meant that we had to take people who were at minus 10 to zero in their mental health awareness, which means we were ignoring everyone who was maybe a one and needed to go to a five. And then psychology just became known as this thing that helps people who are very seriously ill. And we forgot about that aspect. So everyone in that aspect was like, oh, you're fine. Even though you're operating at a one and not a 10, you're fine, you're not at a minus 10. Algorithms have been operating in this minus area because they've only been benefiting certain people, white men. Therefore, they have been able to build a large followings and build up this audience. So when the people who have been not benefiting from algorithms and systems come along, they're starting at a disadvantage, but it's not always transparent. However, don't quote me on where it came from, but there is some research out there that says individuals from marginalized backgrounds, when they do have a following, even if it's smaller, their following tends to be higher engaged because there's less of those people to look to. That's an interesting thought that the algorithms that have been working for the last 10, 15 years in these social networks bias towards people that they think are going to be able to help the social platforms, which are people that basically had an unfair advantage because of their demographics. Here's the other hard part that was figuring out our algorithm is, let's say the score is a one out of a hundred score, where a hundred is like, we got to get this person on the podcast. They're a real influencer and the average person is 50. I was sitting here saying, how do I evaluate if we're going to give a boost towards people from diverse backgrounds or you know, we want to be supportive of women in the MarTech industry? How do I quantify what type of boost they should get to be inclusive in our marketing efforts? Is it a 10% boost? Is it a 100% boost? You know, it's like, these are some of the problems that when we talk about inclusive marketing, and not only want to market to everybody that your product is relevant to, but you also want to do good for the world and give people an opportunity. I just really struggle with figuring out what the balance is there. How do you evaluate how much you should prioritize inclusion and diversity? And how do I figure out what to put in my algorithm? Basically, I would ask about what your data set is. And we can do this with like Facebook ads. You can do this with so many aspects of marketing. If you've been targeting a particular audience, you're going to have a good set of data saying that this audience takes this trigger. And when we show them this content, it does X, Y, and Z. And if you've got a small amount of information on a different set of audiences, you don't really know. You don't really know until you have balanced data. You don't really know until you have 
a point where it is somewhat comparable. Because if you're comparing 100 people to 10 people, you don't know what that reaches in the longevity because you've had 100 people to go at. You can do it away, again, the data science is me coming out, where you pull 10 random people from that 100 data set and compare that and make a decision in that aspect. But holistically, it's an unbalanced scale. Same with if you're targeting Facebook ads and you're going after a different audience, you need to give the time for the ads to run to realize what is actually happening to learn from it. So part of it is you need to get a good data set to understand what you're comparing in order to make that decision. The other part is a little bit like gambling. You need to figure out what that audience is, where they are, and if it's going to pay back in the long run. For what it's worth, uh, the answer for me was 30. (laughs) 15 points for gender and 15 points for ethnicity. And where I said before, the average speaker was about 50 and the guaranteed yeses were 100 a 50 from a diverse background would be an 80, right? And to me, that's like, okay, you're an average speaker. Now you're dramatically above average. Or if you were above average, you're a guaranteed yes. All these numbers are arbitrary to everyone else other than the people that are booking content, the MarTech podcast. But that's how much we felt prioritizing diversity and inclusion. We still have this big problem. And I think this is relevant for all marketers, right? There's the notion of whitewashing. Mm -hmm. People come, they look at our website and they see the speakers like six or seven out of 10 are white guys. And they're like, this is only a show for white men. I'm not interested. So there is the appearance of having diverse backgrounds represented. But the problem is the people that are applying to be on the show are predominantly white men. And I think that this is the problem that a lot of B2B brands have when they want to focus on diversity and inclusion. But most of the people that they're marketing to are not diverse. They're from a similar background. How do you think about inclusion when basically the market that you're operating in is predominantly not diverse? I would say, I would ask to get the data on how you definitely know it's not. Because going back to what I was saying before, if you know your market is, let's say you're building a game and the majority of your market is teenage boys and you've only, that's the only statistics you've collected. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I wonder what the race is. Then you collect their race. You're like, oh, majority white boys. Let me collect what their disability might be. And then all of a sudden you find an aspect of, The majority of these young men playing our games have mental health issues or ADHD or depression. How about we make a narrative around that? That is a subsection of content you can create that will naturally attract other people who may have ADHD or who may have depression and interested in your games without specifically focusing on those two demographics because that's the focus you've had. So looking within what you have, if you don't see it, and then there's also the access to knowledge. Some of the things that we do with our clients is looking elsewhere because they just can't see it. And I I will say that there's an aspect of, there's a lot of mistrust between communities online. So a lot of individuals create their own spaces to kind of have that safety. You see it a lot in the gaming communities and getting access and tapping into that can be difficult if you're an outsider, but it is there. Talk to me about the business benefit from inclusive marketing. At the end of the day, when you start opening up your target towards a diverse crowd, what can you expect from a benefit for your business? A wider market of people who are interested in your product. It's not just spray and pray. It's thinking about who's interested and can we tap in? And if that interested market does tap in, you can switch a whole bunch of people back on. In terms of Gen Z and millennials and you know the younger generations coming on board, their buying intent right now is about 70% on 
the values of a company. So you could increase that buying intent with the younger generation. I don't always like to play the age aspect of it because a lot of people are like, we want to target baby boomers or whoever, whatever generation. But even if you're targeting a specific generation or specific market, making that marketing inclusive opens you up to a segment that's already interested. It not only opens up your potential TAM, right? Your totally accessible market. It also is the way of the future that this is something that younger generations are increasingly prioritized. So if you want a larger market now, or if you want to be successful with your marketing efforts in the future, diversity, inclusion, inclusive marketing is something that is table stakes. It is something that you have to do. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Joanne Boyce, the founder of Arima & Co., for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Joanne and I are going to continue our conversation talking about inclusive marketing strategies. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Joanne, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact her on Twitter. Her handle is Joanne Boyce. That's J-O-Y-A-N-N-B-O-Y-C-E. Or you could visit her company's website, which is arimacompany.com. That's A-R-I-M-A company.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D. On LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.